Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 97 for Tuesday, February 23rd. I'm Alex Dewey here today with Alex Rudy, Farbode Marcasi, Ray Estrada. How you guys doing? Great. Sad. Good. Why? It's a wide range of emotions. No more doubt. Go the Yankees. You're probably gonna win the free agency because you like picked two softballs. So I would gladly sacrifice that for another Daft Punk album. Uh, yeah. Sad, sad news. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be the one to tell you that that probably wasn't coming anyway, though. Um, but yeah, we're we're here in late February now. It's the baseball season fast approaches, and we are. I I don't know about you guys. I'm like more unprepared for the regular season than I've ever been just because of like i don't know how weird the last year's been um but definitely excited for it. last year i felt like, like for the, i felt for like the june or for the, like later start date oh the later because start date not at we all did. but no, i we, feel like leading into to march or whatever no last year until it was announced baseball's coming back <laughs> i feel like last year february we were we were doing a lot better but uh yeah enough about nobody cares about that everybody wants to know about what we're doing today what we're doing this year um we got we got a few bits of news to talk about, but the main the main bit that we'll do today is we'll we'll finish what we started last week. We'll complain some more about MLB's top 100 right now rankings. Uh, they they released their 40 through number one picks um, since last week when we recorded. So uh, that will be a uh, the the bulk of today's today's show. So yeah, let's just get right into it. Let's start with. Fernando Tatis, uh, and this is keeping in line with the trend of Padres headlining every other podcast. Uh, this is, this is just more of the same with them. They locked up their star for 14 years, 340 million dollars on this extension, and uh, a little bit of a funky um, layout, you know, of 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 how this is uh how this is all done. But we'll we'll get into that in a sec. I just wanna wanna get your initial impressions first of just you know like obviously it's good for him, but you know from the Padres side of things, like what is what does this tell you about like how aggressive they're being? Um, because now they they're in it for the the long haul here. Now it's not just they're aggressive now; they're aggressive for a while now. <laughs> they they have to be. Um, I'll ask. Well, yeah, go ahead. Um. Sorry, no one else was talking. So I just, I, I just forgot. Thing. I just forgot to throw it to one of you, <laughs> which I've been been trying to do, and that I was like, wait, did, didn't address anybody. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Farbud. Um, I think a lot of it also. I mean, you, you mentioned this is kind of the Padres ownership saying, we're here and we're going to be here for the next decade. We're gonna at least make a really strong, aggressive attempt of being here for the next decade. They know where they are in their farm system. Their farm system as talented as anyone's um more talented than than everyone's pretty much still um they're the they know the dodgers are in the division they're not going in, away in anytime soon they're still stacked they still have the depth they're still extremely talented and have a high payroll and they want to be able to compete not only with the dodgers but with the rest of the um league for world series championships division titles to come and uh i think this is a really unprecedented move of basically saying without any 
real without significant playing time, service time in the league, you're the guy, and we're going to pay you, um, pay you like you're the guy, and you're going to be the cornerstone of our, um, of our organization. You're going to, when people in ten years, five years think of San Diego, maybe now, um, they'll think of, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. It, there's it's going to be all synonymous together. I think, uh, yeah, it. For both teams, I mean, for I mean, for both parties, for Tatis and for the Padres, basically just a message like we're here and we're going to be here, and they have the farm system and the resources now, and now the willingness um, from ownership to at least try to continue that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you should know a lot about that. You have you have the franchise player right now, really, and you know that. And Mike Trout, the um, one bright on spot. That, no. Uh, w- without getting too deep into it, Mike Trout on that note, he also signed a couple unprecedented pre-arbitration deals. He he has that huge, um, multi uh, over a decade contract too. Um, so hopefully the Angels ownership steps up a little bit like this too. But yeah, th- that's what I feel about um, Padres and uh, Fernando Tatis mm-hmm. Jr. <laughs> Jr. Yes, um, yeah, and then I guess Ray, I'll ask you next too. You talked about like having to keep pace with the Dodgers. Um, you know this this move doesn't really line up with that just because um, they already had him. Like it seems it, it was really out of nowhere just because like, they really they yeah it, it's more of a message it, than anything. Yeah. What, what's the message that that you kind of see on the other side? Like maybe more like a Dodgers fan perspective because obviously any baseball fan loves to see players like this get get huge paydays it's it's just like a really cool thing to see when teams do stuff like this but you know as a uh, as a rival team fan like what does that make you think i mean i it's not like the dodger fans are hoping that he would just like oh maybe one day he'll leave in free agency it's not like they were hoping for that it's not like he's you know a guy who just kills dodgers all the time it's like oh how do we beat him like you know they're the team trying to catch us so i mean it's basically good for them the question is I mean, we always Dodgers fans kind of know that he's going to be the centerpiece along with you know Machado and Hosmer and um, some of the young pitchers. But you always next question becomes: Okay, how do you build around him when it comes when he needs to start paying other guys a lot of money? Because you have a lot of money locked up for a lot of years in Tatis, Machado, and Hosmer. So it'd be interesting to see how they work that. And I think yeah, this is in a way inevitable, but again, it. Like you said, it, it it was earlier than a lot of people expected. We all expected Tatis to get, you know, big extension talks, and and so it was surprising, but not surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and kind of going along with that, um, you know, if you look at the breakdown of this contract, which was released just today, actually, um, when when everything was more officially announced, um, Tatis will. Be, will not be making a whole lot like the next few years you know it makes sense pre it, these would be his pre-arbitration years and then he's not making 30 million plus he, he starts making 36 million uh in the ninth year of this contract which is you know that's a long that's a long time from now and it's 36 the rest of the way out too um and i'll ask you rudy just kind of from from more of like a a business standpoint and or like risk management really like this is so early in a player's career when they still have so much team control like yes you see in extensions like this but rarely before 
even playing a full season's worth of, of games, really, uh, when it comes down to it. So, um, I, from like a from like a risk management standpoint, do you like this kind of move, Rudy? Because you know you could say there's a lot that could happen to this guy in these eight years, but also eight years from now, getting getting to have him on our team for thirty six million dollars a year could be an absolute steal. Yeah, it's a great. <clears throat> Uh, question and I really appreciate being teed up on it like I have some like yeah I like that I've carved out a niche as like the uh you're the, you're the money business. man <laughs> I mean I, I, I think it ties really well into our you know when we discuss the Mariners um president um later on in his comments I think definitely <laughs> definitely in terms of um risk management hard to argue that the more like calculated cynical move wouldn't be to just write out arbitration for as long as you can just minimize cost. But I think when you break down the contract, actually, um, I don't have it right in front of me. I don't know if anyone can uh, get it up, but his contract actually, um, like it has huge escalations. And so the years that are kind of his team control years are pretty in line with uh, probably the numbers. Uh, here we go. It's a 14 year, uh, it's because one, five, seven, 11. 20, 20, 25, 25, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36. And so I think when you look at it in that sense, it actually isn't really the, the real risk that, okay, they signed him to a 10-year, um, uh, how much of that is, uh, sorry to do this quick back, 10-year $320 million contract, give or take. I'm sure someone can correct me if that is slightly off, but I think when you look at it from that perspective, and that's him entering, that's in four years, so that's when he's, um, sorry for this quick, on the, so that's when he's 26. Okay, so in that case, I think, you know, that's that's a probably going to be below market, most likely, from what he could receive at that point. I think, I think you could argue it if he maintains his production. So I think long story short, I actually think when you look at the full context, it is actually... Um, pretty good risk management and pretty smart economics. And I also think you can't, as I'm sure we'll discuss more um, later on, you can't underestimate the value of like team cohesion and morale. And it's not just like, you know, we all respect the Padres for being a team that's willing to spend to win. But even like in the most cynical context, I think you can look at it and say, you know, when you have a guy who can be one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league, that's really not that insane of an investment. I think it's totally justifiable and they can totally make that money back off of the playoff runs they expect to make with them. So once again, just to sum it up, I think at face value, you might look at this and say, wow, it's a big commitment. It's a lot of years. The Padres are most people consider a small market team, um, even though uh, San Diego is a big metro area. They don't have like, it's not a huge TV area, but I think when you look at the full picture, it's uh, I think I think it's actually a pretty decent deal uh, for both sides. Obviously, for Tatis, it's a great deal. So though I, I heard he I heard he owes a little bit of that money to some third parties, which is kind of a fascinating yeah. subtext to it. But yeah, that's my long rant. Anyone can feel free to disagree yeah. with that. I I agree with Rudy. Um, just to piggyback off of that, I think one of the only things that could make this contract not worth it is if Tatis, knock on wood, suffers a 
devastating injury in the coming years. Oh, that's, think, yeah, that's that's where the risk I, really lies, right? I, I, I think uh, a big thing is, like, he will have a whether you don't believe in his production that he's done through his short career by now, but his foundation to grow at, at the age that he's at, the potential that he has, that alone can um, projects really, really great seasons production for him. And then let's, I want to really quickly go back to what I said when I first talked about this, where his name with Major League Baseball, his name, when you think of the San Diego Padres, they're going to become synonymous together. I think when you're thinking of a team uh, investment into a player like this, he's <laughs> the cover of MLB The Show, for crying out loud. He's going to bring, when it's safe, he's going to be bringing fans to the ballpark. His jersey's not only going to be one, probably the top-selling Padre jersey, but he's going to be top five in baseball. Um, it, he's going to bring in that revenue that's going to make the ownership, make the make the team so much more money then um, that would make this contract even more worth it overall. I think, like I said, the only thing that, like, is a shift in his health, a shift in um, some, like, some ulterior third-party thing that could happen to him, that could make this not worth it. But in the end of it, like Rudy said, it's if he were to sign this in a couple years when he's an actual free agent, he would be actually signing for probably a lot more money um so good for the Padres for getting this done good for Tatis I mean if you're if you were his age would someone offer you 14 years 340 million dollars doesn't matter how good you're going to be are you going to turn that down I feel like that's going to be really tough and I think on both on both sides that's a is a really good deal and it's going to be end up being worth it um in, in the long haul too mm-hmm. yeah I, I think to summarize beyond just it being a a pretty reasonable baseball value deal uh it's it's a lot of messaging from the Padres like what kind of message are they sending uh to their fans to their star player to the rest of the league really and about like how their organization is going to be um and that's always really cool to see uh while still maintaining a lot of short-term flexibility relatively speaking uh all right I think that's that's enough on the Padres for today I'm sure we'll be talking about them in a couple weeks right on schedule but, uh, but yeah, we talk about teams sending a lot of messages. Uh, you could not have more differing messages sent by teams than what the Padres have done with Tatis. And then what the uh, the Mariners uh, president of... Uh, he's, he's, uh, he has multiple titles, but basically like the, uh, the team president. Um, resigned. Yeah, the resigned, the former team president. Uh, That's his title now. For the Mariners. Um, canceled. Well, he canceled himself, to be fair. Um, yeah, Kevin Mather decided to uh, to go ahead and just rattle off a lot of really bold and, and, and straight-up stupid comments uh, surrounding the decision-making of the organization as a whole. Like, I don't... You can only imagine, like how closely what he says reflects on what like the general consensus of the organization is and also just some like really dumb stuff about um the use of translators uh for <laughs> for players um, in the past he, he referred he referenced uh Iwakuma being a uh, a kind of consulting um player 
or not not a not a current player obviously but uh kind of like a consulting scout almost and uh and he just said like we, we told him we we're tired of paying for his translator it was basically an entire interview of him bragging about how cheap he is or how cheap their organization is and also while at the same time being like really condescending towards every player that is brought up uh so it's just a really awkward approach to the whole thing really bizarre um i I can't imagine there's a lot of people out there that are that are listening to this guy he's like you know what this guy is making a lot of sense to me right now uh he had nothing to gain he he had everything to lose i actually think a lot of people i'm sorry but actually i'm guarantee you almost every owner in major league baseball agree with everything he said Maybe just not the fact that he admitted it, but I'm sure they agreed with it. Oh, I'm sure everybody else is pissed. Like, what is this guy doing? Like, come on, this is not this kind of stuff that you that you reveal to to the public on like on video. Like, that's that's I'm sure everybody on that side of it's enraged for those reasons, and I'm sure everybody on like the players union side of this is gonna have is really excited about the new ammunition that they have. Did, yeah, mm-hmm. did you guys watch part of it, the full thing? I watched the John Boy because that's what I do nowadays. I did watch John Boy <laughs> well. Okay, yeah. So I actually turned on like what it was, and he started it out, and I'm not sure if he caught it. Uh, every year, him or Jerry Depoto hop on, and they give a bit of a talk like this. Was this year that he just feel like going off on a tangent, or did he just? was that planned or is this what they do every year? And this is just the first year that player that like the media's caught it. Like, I, I'm not trying to take this whole topic away, but I, it, this whole situation is bizarre to me. I don't know. Maybe and, his PR manager overslept and like, didn't give him his briefing. So he's like, Oh, how, how bad could this be? Right. Yeah. And I, exactly. It's like that whole thing was crazy that it, this isn't just a new thing that they're doing. This is a very right. Re- this is a yearly thing, annual thing that they're doing. So I, it was really weird to me overall. And then, yeah, the way he talked about his players, even like the exciting prospects, the way he talked about Jared Kellenick, Kyle Lewis, a bunch of bunch of the guys was like he threw kind of like the i forget what it, what it's exactly called but he he threw a couple compliments and then and then interjected with a couple more like two compliments and like three three like meh yeah it was like, super like about them. It super was, like, backhanded yeah. like compliments it was it was really weird i, I think of, of keldick some people yeah funny too. Like, we all know we're talking about mike leak and uh that one reliever that he's like he just named another prospect that he said he was going to um, manipulate the service time for and then he refused to name the other one that they're going to manipulate service time for and then the contract situations too with uh with evan white he said yeah basically we put it out there and he he, he basically said um there's another reliever out there that said if i have 24 yeah. million dollars guaranteed there's no doubt i'm going to accept that so we're going to start we're going to start um drawing that contract up and putting that together um and then like kind of backhand complimenting but like showing his frustration with the fact that jared kellenick declined his contract saying yeah he's going to be better i mean he's going to bet on himself and who knows he might be a superstar and might pay off for him it's like wow this is 
he, he also the, the he person was the money that he was offered. He said substantial amount of money, but he, like he's talking about how they like the Evan White contract, which is an awful amount of money for the player, especially of Kellenic's, uh, uh, yeah, ability. So yeah, and I, I want to point out that like the, I'm not necessarily saying like the defensive or like terrible stuff he said about like the players union and that stuff. We're just pointing out the really weird wacky stuff right now and I, I I just as a person who believes that organizations need a strong togetherness culture supporting each other um, believing in the mission how is this feeding into that like how how does how do the Mariners organization the players the, the minor leaguers the people he mentioned how how could they be proud to have your team president speak about you speak about how your organization operates in that manner and then Ui, last things i'll say before i um finish rambling uh you mentioned that like both sides have ammunition josh johnson i don't know if you saw it he tweeted today um genuinely thanking him um because now the now the players union has a whole lot more ammunition when next time they go to the um next time they're at the negotiating table with major league baseball yeah like it's self-destructive is the only word that i can think of really to describe what he just went out and did like every single statement was either just completely unnecessarily just taking digs at their own players or like straight up providing uh, just like clear as day evidence of service time manipulation or just like how how incredibly cheap major league front offices can are capable of being more than anything else and um you know those those are probably the biggest about... takeaways in the long run but you know in in the short term especially like while it's so fresh it's so fun to just like or at least it's fun for us it's i'm sure it's not fun for these players to just go in and be like yeah well like what's the point of going and talking about how kyle seager is 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 a he's a great he's a great leader probably overpaid like what why like what's the point <laughs> of saying that or saying that julio like just just telling and just talking about certain guys like oh yeah they definitely will not be in the big leagues uh this year yeah, or, yeah who is he talking about he's like yeah they, the scout the scouts and pundits say he'll be up in 2021 we don't see him coming up to 22, 2023. Yeah, like it was Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez just yeah. absolutely wore it out there, even though he's he's probably like the hottest rising prospect in baseball, like from from last year to this year, and and what like what's the point of saying any of this? You talk about sending a message to your players. Uh, he he had a he had a little response on Twitter, like he photoshopped his face onto the the Michael Jordan meme, like, and I, and I took that personally, like, yeah, as you should. Uh, and he also, he also kind of like, so like he made it because he said Kalanick is, was mad basically that he was ranked one spot behind Rodriguez and the organizational. And I believe also the MLB rankings, but like that, he made it sound like Kalanick is mad at Rodriguez, which I doubt is the case. It's just it's like, or it, the, the, Possibly, I don't know if you can rank the wacky parts of this, but possibly one of the wackiest parts in my eyes was you have a, whatever you guys think of Kyle Seager, you have a 
player who's been with your organization his entire career, who's done a lot for your community, for your organization, who's been a pretty damn good player, um, and you just announced, yep, this will probably be his last year as a Mariner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, when he has not seen him, it's not like... I, it's not like they think, oh, we probably, you know, we might not re-sign him. That so like, probably his last year. It's like, no, we have an option whether to pick him up or not, and we have made that decision. And it's like normally, it, I've seen organizations, whether it's baseball or football or basketball, um, basically say like if they were in bad, if they were in bad water with with a player, yeah, then they could say he's probably not coming back next year, or. But most of the time, they even dance around that question. This guy said, yep, this, you know the guy who, uh, this guy basically says, our Mariners Hall He's of Famer of the is franchise. going to leave our organization. <laughs> it, it, like, he, he, put, he did his little compliment insult sandwich thing again, mm-hmm. basically saying, Kyle Seager is going to be a Mariners Hall of Famer when his career is all said and done, but this will be his last year as a Mariner. I, I, I don't understand that. There's nothing to understand about any of this, yeah. really. It, it like it, it basically he basically just took a bunch of in, like industry open secrets of like yeah we kind of know you know owners they try to be cheap and obviously it's just you know it's businesses try to be cheap they manipulate service time but they always have this kind of smoke screen of like oh we're not trying to do that or this so it's like oh, all right we get it <laughs> he lay, he just laid out all the intent behind it and it's like wow. But now in a really nice way. <laughs> no, yeah, he, and also everything and, in such a nice way, which made yeah. like him feel like he's not crossing a line. And also just threw out a bunch of like, like racial issues and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Can I add two quick things on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. On? Get in here. I think I want to harper on the racial aspect and use that as my segue. I mean, his obsession with translation and claims of his players having improper command of the English language. Um, the, the degree is, it is truly a, a degree of uh, boomer energy that I was gonna say that you could, you could I mean, feel did the, you see the people he was talking you know? to like, and considering it was a rotary club that makes perfect sense. I, I mean, I, I have the quick aside. I mean, the fact that he, I would just love to know the pretext of like why he felt that it was a like I'm gonna tell my Rotary Club this like incredibly like honest I almost respect the sheer honesty like the <laughs> fact that the pure hubris of like just like, openly discussing these things with like your Rotary Club while being recorded is just like peak privilege honestly in a way not to get like full like like left his twitter on this podcast but like honestly like <laughs> the sheer audacity of being like that ignorant of like the consequences of your job like it's it's some unique combination of like idiocracy and irrational confidence that i would be it i honestly don't even know why it surprises me anymore i mean the past four years have proven that a significant number of this country not to get too political, but clearly it's it's not rare. Is all I'm trying to get at. So, I I don't even know why I'm so surprised. I mean, it's like I I should be shocked, but maybe not surprised. And then moving on from that though, is the fact that you know 
not to make every conversation to like this is why baseball is dying conversation but i'm gonna do it anyways <laughs> like this this like <laughs> level of complacency why this guy who like already had like sexual harassment issues in the workplace years ago the fact that like this is someone who like was still in a position of power and leadership in his organization he got away with that which was already should have been un unacceptable in the first place agreed excuse me and like the fact that people like this are in that level of authority in baseball just shows you like their level of incompetence and uh yeah like privilege complacency all the terms that have already been used way too many times in this yeah. rant but like i mean I'll, like, just, I'll, I'll counter that. all our worst suspicions and fears about like the uh management that runs these organizations on the business side not i'm not saying like the gms but like on the business side and the ownership side that like it, it, like I feel like any single time we've discussed like the ownership's rationale for decisions and like their whatever this they fight with labor and like why they can't get with the times like this proves that point so just as much as it proves the labor's points of how the owners conspire to screw them over this proves like I feel like our personal viewpoint of how the people who are running the league have the power in the league are like completely out of touch with reality in a way that like uh is very apropos honestly for like the larger issues in our society right now not to get too I, late, I'll, I'll counter that in terms of like saying that this is exclusive to baseball it's 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 happened in every major sport owners are so detached from reality we had the donald sterling fallout a few years ago that was insane it only happened because they got caught on tape and even this year the the jacksonville jaguars hired well they, they hired urban meyer a guy who has left um a lot of uh, you would call it destruction and lawsuits in his wake uh with his coaches at, at stops at florida and ohio state and they then they hired an assistant coach who was fired at iowa for like basically being racist to players and then he resigned they did not fire him they stood by it and then he resigned out of the uh you know sheer public backlash so i think it's not exclusive to baseball but like what you're saying is right but i don't know if mm -hmm. it's necessarily connected to the supposed demise of baseball Okay, that's that's a fair rebuttal, and you're right. I guess my two qualifiers would be one, I think the NBA up until the Donald Sterling incident definitely fit into that category, but maybe I'm just like biased or like or overly optimistic. I do feel like they've clearly put their cards on the table since then, that they have a clear effort to change, and like they obviously still have huge issues, like the issues in the Dallas Mavericks management there's a million to list but they clearly have like a self-interest in progress at least as highly as i see it um and the nfl is a great example i guess uh, you it's you know the problem with the nfl i guess and it does kind of counter my point but i kind of want i guess my caveat is like is it almost too big to fail i mean they have like the same issue with the rooney rule every single offseason where they don't hire not hire you know enough african-american uh, coaches, even though there's literally rules saying they basically need to. And so I, I don't know, is it just so popular that it can just get away? With, I mean, the Kaepernick stuff is a great example as well. I, I, I feel like it can almost just get away with it at a level yeah. that, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, and we don't have to dwell on it too much and make this, you know, my own personal sports political platform, but like, is I don't know if MLB has like the uh, momentum and the like margin of error of like those leagues to get to get away with these mistakes like these mistakes they don't have a track record. 
the already declining product you know the MLB doesn't have the track record the uh, and to your point about the nba um yeah i think we've said time and time again throughout the last couple of years they are probably one of the most progressive looking um professional sports leagues in the in in the world of professional sports leagues and i you could make the argument that maybe it's all fake maybe they just understood this earlier than baseball and they know how to behave they have like a game plan for it but also i i as a glass half full person would like to think these people are committed to making that change but um but they have the track record for if something happens they they know what to do they their moves or their actions afterwards don't seem like it's for the optics or they had to do it because they would get backlash on twitter um with baseball like you said margin of error is just much smaller and you you have to whatever it is you have to start um eliminating these people or these um these issues these backgrounds from baseball um for its longevity's sake too yeah we've known for a long time that in baseball and in in pretty much any major sports league like there there is going to be a reckoning or there still will be it really hasn't like fully come down with dealing with the the types of people and just the way power in these in these industries works but this this particular case was one of the most efficient again <laughs> like self-destructive takedowns i've ever 45 minutes max to just like, like to two. inflict to inflict like a decades worth of yeah inflict you know he sped up the process so much you know we've been talking about service time manipulation and, and, and all these other kinds of um like evil ownership twiddling their or like you know like twirling their their glasses of whiskey and and like laughing maniacally in the in the background like in control of everything and he's it, it, it but it's it's mostly just speculated like nobody's gonna go right out there and say it because if they know if they did things would be really bad and then all of a sudden pretty much out of nowhere um you know you have you have mather and uh i think a lot of people are refreshed to to just see someone just up and say a lot of the things that um that maybe were were inferred for a long time so in that regard um good for good for good on him you know (laughs) <laughs> he's speeding up. He's he's speeding up progress in a very unorthodox way, um, and I'm I'm here <laughs> to see it. So, yeah, I, I I'm sure we could talk about like so many other smaller like things that were that were brought up and just and just how bizarre they were. But um, I th- I think we've we've hit most of the the major points there. Uh, I would like to propose that we spend the rest of the time complaining, because I love to complain. Let's complain about the top forty rankings of the MLB network top 100 players right now list um where do we start let's with this one is, is a little bit shorter we can just kind of go like um like 10 at a time and just talk about the ones that are that like really stand out as like who, who is way too high here or who's too low um you know some rankings disputes that we have um but let's start with like the 40 to 30 range um which is end capped by two pitchers uh you darvish at the high side of it at 30 and Walker Bueller at the low side of that, uh, at 40. Um, there's quite a few pitchers in the mix here. Uh, some outfielders. Uh, it, it's, it's not the worst section of the rankings in my opinion. Um, 
Ray, I'll, I'll ask you if there's if there's any one player in particular or like any rankings dispute that stands out to you. I mean, not really. Again, you see the the positional clusters and and stuff. Um, I I mean, the only thing that maybe stands out to me. I know it's a shortened season, but like Jose Abreu, AL MVP is thirty first best player in the league. <laughs> like that. I don't know. Maybe give him a little love for winning the MVP. Um, He's lower than his teammate, Tim Anderson. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a that's pretty that's a pretty big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I'm not saying yeah. He's like the best player in the league, obviously, but like he just won an MVP. He had a he had a 162 RBI pace <laughs> in a 60 game season. That is stupid. Um, I, so yeah, I, he should be a lot higher. I have one. Uh, Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ray. I agree with what Ray just said completely. Um, Michael Brantley is just not the 36th best player in baseball. I'm sorry. It just isn't. Like, he's a very good player, and I'm not detracting him. And maybe he belongs somewhere on this list. But there's clearly a lot of players below him that I think the case could be made very swiftly. Exactly by any measurement you want to use. I, I just don't even, I got nothing. Like, there's just no reason. he. Could, I don't even understand it. It's not like he's a big name. Like, I, Tim Anderson, I would I would assume a lot of his ranking, you know, has as much to do with his, like, branding almost, as much as his ability, which I kind of get feeds into this, but that that makes no sense to me, Michael Bradley. So I think um, also... One, Rudy, you said basically my point, where there's some people, some players in this list, and they are great players, and, but as you get through 40 to 1, there are a couple here that you're like, you look back at the 41 to 100 and say, well, this guy isn't really that much different. Like, you, you could make a case for um, any of these guys, and then, Ray, you brought up a great one with Jose Ray. He's lower than... He was the AL MVP um, lower than his uh, teammate, Tim Anderson. And it's, I think when you get to the top 10, top 20, and we, we might notice that I might be wrong, there's some of these guys that, who might be there for their names, for um, previous, like, track records, but also I think there's some guys that, like, oh, yeah, he might not be number 13, but that top 15 makes sense. Uh, he might not be, nine, uh, he might not be, like, 15th but top 20 makes sense or top 10 makes sense but but there's still at this point we're within the 40 to 30 ranking it's michael brantley i mean you can make some arguments of ozuna brantley i mean you can make an argument sorry ray kershaw like some of these guys could be looked at differently with um with some of the guys within 41 to 100 and then I mean, JT Realmuto, we say he's top catcher in baseball. A lot of people say that. Why is he number 33? He, like, there's there's some things that just don't make sense to me um, yet, at least. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no yet. Like, this is this is just, like, well, I'm, based I'm on what we've seen. Explain it to me. <laughs> oh, uh, dude, no, there's nothing. TV. Yeah, That's, TV. Yeah, TV. But, like... Uh, Dude, like you're right about Michael Brantley. Like Michael Brantley's a pretty unspectacular, like very good player, but pretty unspectacular. And and kind of like like Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto. Why are they this high? Like, yeah. they, 
what is up with the Mets infatuation on this list when you have like Dominic Smith uh, just getting absolutely bolstered here as well like w- way higher than than anybody would expect um it's just like so I, you, very I bizarre. have an explanation mm-hmm. sorry Fargo, go ahead uh, I was just gonna say like for Brantley or for um Conforto that you mentioned couldn't you make an argument that like Luis Robert could even like if if those two names were switched would we even bat an eye yeah would well we, like say, well, Louis Luis Robert or yeah Robert right yeah, anyway Robert um, yeah or Eloy Jimenez um wow I can't pronounce anything today um like if if those names were switched on this list and we saw Eloy at number 34 and Conforto at 54 would we bat an eye would we yeah say no well, yeah, those those cases, those are those are pretty definitively worse players. Luis Robert also produced him and Kyle Lewis both produced nothing in like the second half of a two month season, and it kind of went unnoticed, even though they were like, like super, highly touted rookie of the year type players. Um, so like I can understand but, that. But, but my point still stands with some of these guys within forty one to a hundred that. Like, yeah, I feel like if you switch them with, like, con- the Conforters of the world, the Brantleys of the world, we wouldn't even question it. We wouldn't think anything otherwise. There's there's a much smaller degree of separation in skill, seemingly at this point. Um, and then also, there's just bizarrely guys like Marcelo Zuno, Jose Abreu, who absolutely put up monster numbers, granted in a shortened season, but, like, have clearly shown that their offensive capabilities are, are like, up to that. They can be up to that standard. Um, so it is really just again all over the place um tim anderson was a weird one as we get into this next tier of of players um we can definitely see some some more head scratchers uh and a lot of that too <laughs> it's it's hard to compare pitchers against position players in any context I, i'll admit that but you know after you darvish there at 30 you go trevor bauer max scherzer um and then no other pitchers on this list but ahead of those ahead of those three pitchers you get to Tim Anderson, which is almost insulting. And then you have which, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, Corey Seager, a really solid crop of shortstops there. There is one there's one there's one segment. There's one shortstop there that is not like the other as well. I don't want to like harp on Tim Anderson too much, but like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um yeah. My my thing is that it. it's hard hard to comprehend what criteria is being used. And this isn't the one that's a calculated one right from like no is no this is a very arbitrary ranking and, and here's my here's my example for my case and i do think the pitcher thing is a whole other aspect of it that i agree with you 100 it's a really wonky direct comparison to put them on the same list to be honest at all but um i think so i talked about i, I started this my part of this with michael brantley and you know if you go to fan graphs and you go to look at their war from 2019 and 2020 which i think is they're combined because of the circumstances you know he's 34th at a position players okay so then he's 30 you know six years so that seems pretty reasonable right um and you know uh you have conforto at 29 and jeff mcneil at 30 but then the, this is so you think okay well maybe the list is kind of in logic but then you look further and it completely divulges into incoherence because guess who's 28 Josh Donaldson, you know where he is on this list, 47. And my point in just to go on top of that is that Devers is 22 and more over that period of time. And my point isn't to say that um, you should be using that one 
war statistic from fan graphs to determine the entire list at all. Obviously, context matters and predictions. Um, Keitel Marte, another guy who's 14 over the past two seasons, he's even lower. Um, he's 48th. Uh, then Donaldson, uh, but Devers is 65. So clear off there. My point is just to say it's really difficult to comprehend what is the combination of logic being used here because you can't you either you know you can say well maybe they use um kind of context and projections of next season um but then that doesn't really work out to like our perception of the players like why would why would you expect michael brantley to have such a great season next year you know he's an aging player and then you say well maybe they're using advanced stats and then the advanced stats don't back it up either and it's like if you're so then you're i mean it's a, it's clearly some combination of the two but what you're left is just kind of an incoherent muddled picture that doesn't seem to really be committed to any consistent logic in the list mm-hmm. i think um going off of that there's i've caught myself trying to logic my way through this too and i i mean you can make the argument that i mean the argument has to be made just like ray said just like we said it this is tv so there's three pitch there's three pitchers in the top 20 now you can't tell me that there's only three pitchers that are in in an actual rankings however you want to make that criteria um in the in the top 20 players in major league baseball like in an actual like rankings of that i there's it's it's bizarre there's one pitcher in the top five there's three in the top 15 and then one in the top 10 yeah there's one in the top yeah it's it you want they want the big name guys they want the offense and i mean Good for them. Dude, let them do what they want. But at the same time, you can't tell me that 30, 29, and 28. Um, 30 and 29 were one and two in Cy Young last year. 28, Max Scherzer has been the best pitcher, other not named Jacob deGrom, in the National League for the last several years. Um, and they're 28, Did you just 29. Did Come oh, on, dude. Max, Scher- Max Scherzer's been better than Clayton Kershaw yeah, the last I'm, four oh, yeah, years. When he's had several. Several yeah. yeah, several years now, Scherzer's been like distinctly better than Kershaw. Yeah. I'm just gonna put that out there. Yeah, I, I I will I will back that up. Kershaw, I'm not trying to ban I'm not trying to bash on Kershaw. Kershaw's I wore number twenty two and best pitcher of last he's, decade. He's, he's, yeah, he's incredible, but what Don't I'm Clayton saying, Kershaw. But <laughs> He, but I mean Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom for who? What's been our Cy Young picks over the last like three, four years in the National League? It's probably Them. normally have been yeah, it's been the, one of those two. And then my dumbass or, probably guessing or, somebody or random. Picked, yeah, or Herman Marquez. Was, yeah, Herman Marquez. There you go. Put him in there. Where's <laughs> <Yeah>. he? <laughs> um. So, so to make my long story um, even longer. Herman uh, Marquez is really good, to be honest. Yes. Uh, he's, Somebody he's, didn't say Cy Young caliber. It's a curse. It's a curse I have of just but insanely wrong predictions. Um, with like twenty-one to thirty or, or you know whatever going twenty to twenty-nine. I just that don't listen to Ui's uh, predictions. Yeah, basically. The people like, trade, like why I think. Uh, sorry, I think one other person that kind of showcases your point though is like Lance Lynn is seventy-fifth, and I don't know if people realize this because I definitely didn't, but like subtly been like a top 10 pitcher over the past like three years statistically just like yeah he's been very good i mean he's like excellent um he's he has a streak of consecutive most consecutive games in like the mlb of 
throwing over 100 pitches. But I just, I, like mostly fastballs. I just um, want to take your logic to the next level. Um, in the sense that, okay, yeah, I think you're totally right in the sense that you bring up Uyen Ray's point from the last podcast, how this is designed as a TV segment and to instill controversy and discussion. But then I think you said an interesting point that, well, they want the big hitter names um, the top 10. It's like, I, I, my, the, maybe it's my bias, but like, I don't even know if I buy, like, historically, I don't think pitchers have been just as big of stars, if not bigger, honestly, than hitters. I think a lot of the most famous players in culture tend to be pitchers. And I also think, like, I don't think pitchers what? have turned have been turned into like cult heroes uh, as quickly as hitters have been turned into, if that makes sense. Um, within like the club, within the city, within the clubhouse, at least in recent years, if you look historically, yeah. But in recent I, years, I mean, maybe it's the um, the, the most talked about baseball player in baseball right now is a pitcher, for right or wrong. So yeah, I mean, but I mean, I just think... a lot of that does have to do with his doesn't have to do with his ability yeah i think i think we're straying a little bit from to finish to finish the point though it's just like if you're looking at it from the perspective like the top 20 is a segment um which i do think is clearly is probably the logic here isn't like the top 20 itself more than enough of a discussion point how does it then divulge into like you know we need to compare the top you know we only have one pitch in the top 10 i just like we're not going to find an answer here but it's like, I don't even see, even if you give them that excuse that like, oh, they want the bats, oh, they want the names, oh, they want to make it interesting. Even if you like give them all those um, like level of doubt, levels of doubt, it still doesn't add up as a coherent piece of television content because it still doesn't make any sense. Even, even in that context, I don't think the discussion points, uh, except for maybe like Mookie Betts and Mike Trout, you know, line up in any coherent manner yeah, how much they, they got the top think, two right they did how yeah how much different do you think these rankings would be if they went top 20 players top 20 how many people in their top 20 right now would not be in there to bring in some of the pitchers that are that they threw that most of the pitchers that they threw out of the top top 20 that's an interesting point yeah that's that's yeah. a good point i I don't know, and again, like I'm gonna say, like admittedly, super hard to just compare pitchers to position players. I, that's that's like the least of of the gripes that I have with this ranking. Really, is it's just it's just hard to do. Like they they do such different things, and they they are valued so differently. So it, it it's good points being made about just MLB Network not really having any sort of cohesive uh, criteria for how they do it themselves, but. Also, like, I don't know. It's 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 not the biggest deal to me. Like, cause cause if you have to, if you just pick out individual players, like if you're like, is Trevor Bauer or Corey Seager more valuable? Like, closely ranked players that do very different things. You're like, well, I don't know. Like, yeah, that, that's 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 all I mean. Um, okay. Uh, I I do want to move into the top twenty. A little bit faster here. The rest of the twenties, by the way, Matt Chapman. Everybody loves Matt Chapman, and then you have Harper and Judge. Aaron Judge will will just be beloved forever. Um, which <laughs> maybe if a little undeserved. Uh, you know, Yankees bias. I'm I'm cool with it. Um, he's a good player. Honestly, like I love it, but it's pretty bad. It's it's not it's not the best. Ninety seven. Yeah, really weird stuff overall. But you know, not the not the biggest deal in the world with a lot of these. Uh, and then you move into the top 20, George Springer, Jose Ramirez, 
Manny Machado, you know, I guess like fine. There, there's your MVP caliber player that's actually getting uh, rewarded for his uh, last season of production. Uh, and then you have Alex Bregman, Trevor Story, Francisco Lindor, DJ LeMahieu, Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado seems like he's getting a ton of of love as well, just relative to these other names that are on here. But again, like this group of names is is pretty pretty similarly tiered in in my opinion like do you have any significant gripes through through this portion of the list like going up to that point that i just listed i mean that's kind of what i was saying earlier where when you look at bregman at 17 you could say maybe i don't think he's seven maybe he should be higher maybe he should be lower but you could probably argue top 20 makes sense or you could say maybe top 15 or something like that. Or or a guy in the top 10, you could say top 10 makes sense, maybe not at that specific spot. I think here it gets a lot even more tight than um, outside of the top 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, and then, like you had mentioned, two of the only pitchers, two of the three only pitchers in like the top 25 are uh, Shane Bieber and Garrett Cole. Shane Bieber getting a ton of credit which is probably earned um they have him right there with garrett cole which you know i guess like that that top three is distinctly the top three um and then and then a long ways to go to get to Degrom there um so that's that's a little interesting <laughs> um yeah and then and then you get to the top 10 players which is always always a fun conversation to have to you know which players you would you would move ahead of others but you have cody bellinger and christian yelich the two down year um mvp caliber players uh, at the back end of it which you know probably fair at this point um and then you go to rendon acuna tatis soto freddie freeman is probably ranked a bit too high here at number four for my taste um, Jacob eh. Degrom, and then one and two, yes. they got right. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I, again, Freddie Freeman seems like he gets the MVP bump when Abreu doesn't. Um, I my I, I don't necessarily if I disagree with Rendon at eight. It's just that I don't know. To me, like the third baseman rankings within this are so weird. Like I, I'm fine hmm. with Arnado at thirteen. I, I I'm. I, I like his game. I like how I think he's really legitimately good. People, you know, course field effect doesn't really matter for him. And obviously Fantax defensively. And I, I know Matt Chapman was hurt, so he's down to twenty three, but like I don't know, to to me it all it like I said, the valuation of different positions just seems very weird to me. I think Soto is too high, to be honest, hot take. Mm, see I I tend to I, I tend to disagree, especially with these young players who have really in the limited time of play given us no indication to think that what they're doing is not legitimate because Juan Soto has just been like an otherworldly hitter like better than Mike Trout level hitter at least in this like last last year um he's a, he's a negative defender though yeah, and and that's Mike Trout, but he but he's like Mike Trout level. Well, so is Mike. So is Mike Trout last year. To be fair, um, Freddie Freeman. Yeah, he's Mike on, Trout he's on last base year. Oh, sorry. Four hundred clip. Juan Soto was like he's like if anybody if you're gonna look at Acuna, Tatis, and Soto and like say, okay, 
if any of these guys is going to, like, last, like, you know, have the best numbers for the longest, you would look at Soto's and be like, yeah, that yeah. guy. I actually agree with the ranking of those three young su- young superstars. Like, I that part, I, I'm on board but with. The, the, I, I, I don't know. I, I think we're using different contexts, I guess, for how we look at the list. Uh, it sounds like, to me, the art you guys are arguing to me that this – Juan Soto will be the fifth best player for the next five years, but this is 2021 performance value, and I don't I see it. Yeah, he's there now. He's there now. He did, he did it this year. past year. Why is he next year five spots above Christian Yelich? That doesn't the math, the stats don't support. But, I mean, we're all, but it's not just projected 2021 performance. You know, Christian Yelich didn't have a good 2020. Like, and Juan Soto could easily better be better than Christian Yelich next year. It's not. I'm, it's I'm not just saying Christian Yelich could easily be better than him though too. Like I, I don't count. I don't know. I'm not. I don't put really any value in 2021, 2020 to like say someone. Like I don't think that. I think those off years are pretty. Like you can discount that personally. Yeah, but I mean, like this. This I don't. I don't know. I I I could see Juan Soto being better than Christian Yelich. It's not to me. It's not hard to comprehend. Hmm. I'm not saying I'm not. And yeah, I mean, way, and the other way around, like if this is arbitrary current rankings. That that's why I'm just trying to say, like, is that to me, like, that's I'm just trying to say, going back to like why I think five and Freeman for sure. I totally agree with both all of you guys. Like four, just doesn't really make sense at all. That and the bias to the MVP for him, but for uh, not Abreu doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I'm just saying, like, I, to me, like the difference between nine and five on this list to me seems like almost immeasurable it's like pretty narrow it's it is it is very, well, that, it is very narrow yeah the, all of everyone who's one to one to ten maybe one to fifteen one to twenty could win the mvp could win the cy young right that's uh, fair. it i i do agree with those sides on this MVP, apparently so what one to 31 can win the mvp apparently oh, <laughs> yes <that's> true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I yeah, do. So they're just see... saying that MVP was wrong. Sorry, sorry, sorry for that. But is that what this list says? Um, I don't know if it's saying that. I think like... they're basically saying Jose Abreu is a boring player, and um, we, for our top twenty segment, top ten segment, we we'd rather have um, Manny Machado than Jose Abreu on here. I mean, like is some it of it, like... some of it is just like yeah. gut, like baseball knowledge. And just watch having watched baseball for for multiple years now, like you know what Jose Abreu is for the most part, and he's admittedly not Freddie Freeman level, even though he performed that way last season. So I get that, like there's gonna be a a disparity. Yeah. But again, like some players get the bump, some players don't. It's inconsistent. That's that's the big problem. And then and then looking at a lot of this list, I don't know how much people doing the rankings cared about defense because like. There are some guys who like you know, I except in the case from Byron Buxton, that's the only reason why I think he's on this list because of his defense and speed. But like Matt Olson is forty four and like he's a fantastic defender, yeah, a good hitter. But like you said, he's boring and like Matt Chapman know, did get the bump. Attention. Matt Chapman's there. Yeah, he did. But he's coming off an injury year, not not necessarily a, a down year. So it's he's a he's a bit tough to to like rank right now. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Um, Wait, any, any, any final thoughts before wrapping up our, our, I just want to, um, I just, I just want to point out that Mike Trout today or yesterday in an interview said he was bad last year. 
So I expect him at number one for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that that's that's always that's always fun to hear Trout answering questions about this stuff. Straight up said he had a bad year. Let me and they was, this. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, not good at the interruption game today. But is there anyone who's not on this list at all that you guys think should be on it? Mm, probably, but there's no way I can. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, not. No, there's no, nothing no. glaring that I'm like, where is this person? Um, especially I, since we're talking top forty. I t- I, it took me a long time to find him at sixty-five, but yeah. I'm having trouble. Um, kind of what we was saying is like, how do we rate some of these guys with how the margin of difference between their values could be so minuscule or or it really just depends on whose whose criteria we're using so i mean i'd like to see more pitches but at the same time who would i take out and i don't know right now who i would take out for some of the pictures i don't know Byron Buxton. yeah <laughs> um, I, I mean that to me he's not a top 100 player <laughs> not a top 100 yeah, I mean, so here, so here's the deal. Here's what I'm gonna wrap up and say. Here's here's my proposition. We go ahead. We we put on put on our hard work gloves and we make our own top 100 rankings and share them for our episode 100. That's that's an idea that I have. I think that could be a fun thing to do. Um, we could share some of the process of us um, coming up with these rankings too. I know who number too. one is. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. Bartolo? Hopefully we get that one. Do they have to be uh, we'll Williams Ostadio actually. Uh, so. El Tortuga. La, La Tortuga. Even. Uh, um, yeah, but that's 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 a legitimate um, idea and and hope um, for an episode one hundred special if if anybody is uh, interested in knowing what that might be. So, yeah, that is going to do it for today. Though uh, we've gone on. For quite a while, there was, there was a lot to talk about today, but uh, good stuff as usual. Thanks to anybody who's made it to this point of the podcast. We appreciate you. If you did enjoy, make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you listen to it. And make sure you connect with us on social media at Beat the Shift BP, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We want to hear from you. What do you want us to talk about? Uh, or if you just want to say hi, uh, that's cool too. Um, anything else oh yeah our website beattheshiftbaseball.com podcast articles anything else it'll all be there so make sure you check that out as well all right that is it for today thank you everybody one last time as always farbode peace